0: on Jess how are you
1: good how are you
0: great it's great to have you on my podcast finally it's been been a while we did one interview on Instagram live a while ago it went really well it was all about counting calories and we're going to dive into more of that topic today and I want to hear this time your views on counting calories um, but just to a little quick introduction on you Jess you are a military wife Jesslyn Randall she's a three-year carnivore currently lives in okinawa hope i didn't butcher that japan she is in the process of earning a journalism degree and when she's not in school or doing school work she's making fun educational carnivore content for her instagram and youtube check those out too as well Um, i'll put everything down though in the description so jess i wanted to hear the first question i ask everybody on this podcast and this youtube channel in general i wanted to hear a little about about your story i wanted to hear about how you became full carnivore, which is what you do now. I have people of all different backgrounds here, uh, just an ancestral primal lifestyle. So that could be animal-based, keto, carnivore, uh, primal, whatever you want to call it. How did you find out about this? How did you get into it? And what's your story?
1: I initially started carnivore for weight loss. And so growing up, I was overweight I had really bad gut issues. I struggled with extreme constipation to where I was going to the bathroom once every like couple of weeks. It was a not a just once a week or once a two weeks, it was like three to four weeks. Um, so it was awful. And that Gut, those gut issues caused me to have really bad immune system, be sick all the time, have bad acne, have just a bloated stomach all the time that hurt to the touch because it was just literally full of shit. Uh, and doctors would just tell me to eat more fiber, eat more fiber, and nothing was working. It was only getting worse. Then I, when I was about 19, 18, 19, I just started starving myself. I tried. I tried that earlier. It didn't work as well. But when I was 18 or 19, um, I I did an NPC competition, and the the meal plan for the NPC competition was a piece of tilapia and seven pieces of asparagus. I believe twice a day. So I was eating that for over two months. And sometimes I wouldn't even cook the asparagus. I would just eat it raw. And yeah, and I was working out all the time i can't, i kind of developed a little of obsession with working out to where i couldn't sit still i if i was sitting watching tv i'd be doing crunches or push-ups or something like yeah. that you would have so, a
0: treadmill, treadmill under your desk pretty much
1: yeah yeah i was just constantly having to move because i was so i i lost a bunch of weight and i was so scared to get fat again i thought i was fat yeah. and how i wasn't going to do this Um I lost I so it's always around 20 pounds. When I lose weight, it's always around 20 pounds. I I when I'm at my heaviest, it's like 155, almost around 160. And then the lowest I've ever been is about 125. So uh yeah, and uh yeah, and (laughs) so I lost, I got really skinny but I was malnourished because I was eating a piece of tilapia and seven pieces of asparagus and working out all the time. And it wasn't sustainable. So I gained the weight back. Right. And then I I got married and was just really insecure, uh, really frustrated. And my husband actually, he's he is not the I, I love him and I love this about him, but he is not the kind of guy that's just going to tell you what you want to hear, which is what most girls want and uh, or what guys think most girls want, I guess. And he so he was gone on a rotation And I was alone and kind of just wallowing in self-pity that I was just meant to be fat and nothing was working. I was working out all the time and uh, I just couldn't lose weight. And he he told me, because this is a military wife thing, so if anyone's familiar with the military world, they'll get this. But he told me, you better not be fat when I get back. So... (laughs) So I was like, damn it, I can't get any fatter. I don't want to get fatter. Um, and so I started starving myself again and I lost a bunch of weight. And then, but that it wasn't sustainable. And I was, it was just like this cycle of like yeah. starving myself, gaining right. weight, saving myself. That's and-
0: exactly what NPC competitors do, by the way. It's a, it's a <laughs> whole cycle. and it, And you notice when, whenever an NPC competitor gets done with their show, do you know how fast that they gain that weight right back? It's
1: yeah. yeah. Come on and
0: they go through and another you, cycle where they star themselves. And yeah, it's, you know,
1: I did. Yeah. I did two shows. And, it's, and, and after that, my parents were like, this isn't healthy. We don't want you doing this. Um, and it's like the whole ritual too is after the competition you go and eat food because you're just like starving <laughs> you're literally starving and you go eat the food that you you have been restricting from yourself and it's usually just complete junk food a complete like sugar uh burgers uh uh fries right. milkshakes things like that um and then you just completely gorge yourself again until it's time to Go back to seven pieces of asparagus and a tilapia <laughs> um
0: so then how did you hear about carnivore
1: yeah so so my husband came back and i was just not happy i was working out all the time i was i think like six days a week or something like that and lifting weights doing cardio eating healthy i was eating lean meat only oatmeal ton of salad a ton of fruit ton of vegetables yeah. um my my carbs or starch or whatever, I would just have rice. Um, so most of my meals were like Chipotle bowl type things. Yep. Uh, and I couldn't lose weight. And then my husband is smart and he started researching what was wrong with me and what could be wrong with me. And I was just thinking that this is the the hand that I've been dealt in life and he came across the Joe Rogan Sean Baker podcast that uh, I think is five years ago now that it came out and he he showed me and he said hey this sounds kind of like something you're going through you I just want you to listen to it and try it out i'll do it with you if you're interested and i listened to it it resonated a lot with me what he said was making sense even though it went against everything i'd ever been taught i did i absolutely thought it sounded crazy but it still sounded like it could work kind of thing so i decided to give it a go for world carnivore month january 2020 and my husband did it with me and then after that i I kind of was convinced. I I got great results. Yes. And Amazing. I what?
0: Amazing. Great job. So the 20 pounds came off again.
1: Yeah, yeah. 20, it's always like 20 pounds. Um right. yeah. I don't know if that's like a normal thing, but it's it's with me, it's it seems to be always about 20 pounds, 25 pounds around you there. Might and...
0: be getting down to your natural genetic set point. That sounds what's going on. Everyone has a total different set point. Nobody's set point is to be obese or overweight, but, you know, to stay naturally fairly lean might be where you lose those 20 pounds every time.
1: Yeah. That's because that would always frustrate me when I was younger and I knew I was overweight and people would just tell me that it was because of my genetics and no one else in my family was overweight. They were thin and trim. My siblings were incredibly fit. Um, and they didn't even, my sister was a gymnast, so she did work out. My brother didn't work out other than what teenage boys do. Um, like just running around skateboarding or something. Um, and he and they were both my parents were fit and they were fit growing up so i they didn't have a history of obesity as children so i it didn't make sense to me even as a kid i knew that didn't make sense but that's what adults were telling me and so i kind of developed this saying of there's a fat one in an, in every family to, to try to make myself feel better yeah, and i would
0: say that about friend groups too like there's always a fat guy in the friend group always yeah but yeah, you know, so in the end of the day, we're not we're not meant to be fat. It's the truth. No. We're not.
1: Yeah, and some, someone someone <laughs> I put I put a reel about that recently on my Instagram, and I was really nervous because I don't have this huge physical transition. I was 155 whatever pounds. I'm five yeah. five. So I was technically overweight. I was carrying around extra weight that I shouldn't have been clearly because I don't have it now. And so it's not a huge, like amazing physical, visual stimulation of a transition. transition. Um, and someone did tell me like, oh, you, you weren't overweight as a kid. And I'm like, I was overweight, but it's just so normalized now that kids today are way more overweight. They're actually obese. Um, and you, so you think I look normal and people would say it's baby fat but it's not, I was not supposed to be that. Overweight. I have
0: to say, as, as you know, um, from my own stories, you heard it. I've, I've lost a hundred pounds myself and losing a hundred pounds is really damn difficult to do, but you should never shame someone that loses just a few pounds that's already, you know, not in good shape, but is on the borderline of overweight, um, heavier and has weight to lose because those 20 pounds, by the way, compared to what you have on your body. Is a lot harder to lose than when I lost my first twenty pounds. Just so you know, especially as a woman, how you're, you said you're five three, five five, five five five, and you know I'm almost six foot as a six foot male who's really active, who started to be really active in 2020 when I lost that weight. My first twenty pounds flew off like nothing. Losing twenty pounds at you know with with all of your your statistics is a lot more difficult, a lot more challenging, and that's something that people don't realize. Is not weight. All weight is not created equally. Someone who's really short and someone who's really like, I don't know how to describe this. Someone who's short and plump is not going to lose that weight faster than someone who has a genetically higher metabolic rate because they're just bigger in size and they're male. And, and, yeah. uh, fat storage is so, so unique and so different. So totally yeah. understand that 20 pounds is, is tough to lose. It really is.
1: And it was, it was clearly not supposed to be there because it came off it did like you're saying it was tough to lose and it came off like when i would starve myself it would come off really quickly so it's like my body knew it wasn't supposed to be there and it was getting it out and it's always been in my stomach it's always been gut whenever i gain weight it's in my stomach which i guess is natural for women but my arms have always been pretty toned my legs have always been pretty toned but i always would just have a bloated stomach and then when i would lose weight it just comes it just comes out so it's like it's so it is a hunt i think a hundred percent
0: all visceral fat and inflammation that is what that yeah. is yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's
1: not it's not natural it's not supposed to be there so it always would bug me i like i knew deep down but that i wasn't supposed to be fat but it, it just back then no one talked about nutrition no one connected what you're eating to uh to how your weight and stuff other mm-hmm. than eating fruits and vegetables or or mainly vegetables. So that's all I knew yes. was was just starving myself on vegetables and because that's what people in the media did. And I specifically remember seeing Oprah Winfrey um just gain and lose and gain. Oh, yeah. and lose. She's,
0: the big, she's the perfect yeah. example of the yo yo diet. That's what it's called yeah. the yo yo where and I
1: thought that was normal.
0: Then you lose a lot of weight really, really fast. And you do it over and over again. You put yourself in caloric restriction and your body will keep doing that. And honestly, it'll get worse each time because the faster you lose all that weight, the more muscle will come with it and the lower your metabolic rate will be. So yeah. we're going to we're going to go more into this later. But actually, you brought something up that I, I wanted to talk about, too. In your story is what were you told was the way to lose weight by doctors? What What were you told was the way? And how did it work out? You mentioned a lot of fiber. What are some things that you heard at first that led you to starve yourself? Because obviously starving yourself is not normal and no one should do it. But when you put yourself in caloric restriction, it's ultimately the same thing. Uh, So what was some common advice that you were told when you started your journey?
1: So the crazy thing is that no doctor ever talked to me about my weight. It was, I was concerned about it. Um, I would go to the doctor just for, for being sick. From because I was overweight and I had a horrible gut issues, and they would put me on they would put me on antibiotics all the time. I was on antibiotics constantly as a kid, uh, and they would put me give me uh, weird pills to take, like and fish oils and and things like that. And one doctor specifically gave me this fish oil stuff and this other pill. And when I was younger, I couldn't swallow pills. Yeah. So my mom would have to break it into applesauce. So just sugary processed applesauce. And and, and then-
0: that fish oil, as sad as it is, there's probably something wrong with the fish oil pill too. It's probably really highly oxidized and probably has like soybean oil in it. And- yeah like you mentioned and I would put apple it apple I would
1: put it on toast she'd put it on toast for me so I would eat that in the morning before school it's like a piece of toast with fish oil and a pill inside of an applesauce wow, and that's I, so gluten I can't, like when I was 19 I cut out um when I started around the time I started doing the MPC and stuff I also cut out gluten and I lost some weight with that and so I just stopped eating gluten because I was like if this is what's making me fat I'm not going to eat it anymore I was never diagnosed celiac or anything. I just realized that gluten was an issue for me. Great. And I just I stopped eating it for 10 years before I started carnivore. Uh and so that was part of it too. But so I was eating so the doctors when I was younger it was just eat more fiber. That was always the it common is. thing you
0: still yeah. hear today. You still hear yeah. today all over. It's a high fiber diet fixes everything. And they don't understand that High fiber equals high waste, you just put a ton of waste in your body unnecessarily pushing everything out of your body, creating for, you know, bigger stools, more uncomfortable stools, a lot of bowel GI, uh, gastrointestinal and digestive issues, which is probably, in my opinion, the worst parts of too much fiber, and yeah. your diet now has zero fiber in it. And you seem like you're doing very well. And the issue in the bathroom went away, I'm assuming as well.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. I thank God. Uh, Cause good. It was awful. Like growing up, I, we didn't talk about going to the bathroom uh, in my family and not in society either. I, that wasn't a normal thing that you talked about with people. It was an embarrassing thing to talk about. And I thought everyone was experiencing what I was experiencing. I had no idea people were going to the bathroom every single day. And I was going to the bathroom weeks apart and when it when I would go it would be the most it was the most painful thing ever. I've never had a child, but I'm sure that I I feel like I know what childbirth feels like. Yeah. Um and and I would like bleed and cry and sometimes my mom would have to like hold my hand and because it was just so painful. And yeah. then when I cut out gluten um I, it got a little better, but it still wasn't great. And then the only thing that helped my, my gut is carnivore.
0: AKA getting rid of fiber and plants pretty
1: much.
0: Um, and now we know as you and I both know is fat is the true solution. If you are constipated, when you start carnivore, uh, and anyone who's listening to this, that's fairly new to carnivore within the first week or two, one of three things happen. You either get C, you get D or you're totally fine. And if you're totally fine, it's usually because you've had a fair amount of fats in your diet and your gut is fairly adjusted to fats. But when you transition from usually a high carb and caloric restriction, lots of greens type of diet to carnivore, which a lot of people do either get C or you get D. I got D unfortunately. Uh, I was in the bathroom probably like literally five to six times a day. I had IBS, I always had IBS. And and I did keto, which was a lot of meat and a lot of vegetables, I physically felt better because of the fats and being in ketosis and being in that state. But I was piling on the vegetables like nobody's business because I thought they were just so nutrient dense for me and so good for me. And the fiber was so necessary for me to function. As soon as I took them out, within a week and a half, my IBS completely gone. No issues whatsoever. I did have a small period of time when I started carnivore. The first week or two, I give it two weeks for most people where your gut will adjust your gut flora and and your microbiome will adjust to the high fat diet because it hasn't been given this amount of fat for a long time. So if you start piling in fat, you'll either constipated or you have diarrhea, one or the other and you have to wait it out. That's the best way I'm, to do it. And I'm sure
1: oh sorry. I think I was probably got constipated because that's always what my body likes to do, yeah. but I've been so used to to having weeks that just even what it was i don't think i had noticed like i had a great transition and i'm sure i was probably constipated but like it was like no big deal for me because that's how i lived my whole life (laughs) yeah
0: so basically when you deal with the carnivore diet um pretty simple if you have a lot of fats add more fats to your diet if you're constipated slowly take away added fats like just added butter and added cheeses And your diarrhea will go away and it will be normal. That is a great way, by the way, to figure out how much fat you need. There's two ways that I really like to use is one, you look in the bathroom and two, look how you're feeling. If you're feeling really good, if you always have stable energy and the bathroom situation perfect, you're having just the right amount of fat, keep going with that same amount of fat. If you have, again, if you have constipation, start adding more added fats. Um, and you're not feeling as good, you just might not be getting enough fat in your diet. Remember, fat's the only thing you're running on. So it is pretty damn necessary to have it in your diet and a lot of it. And if you get to the point where you add too much, your body will let you know, you'll have the runs right away. Give it those one to two weeks of adjusting, letting your gut adjust and everything will go away. It's also normal on carnivore to not go to the bathroom every day and to have a few days in between where you don't go to the bathroom And for your stool also to get really small because, uh, one, no fiber to push it along. No, no waste in your body Two, everything's bioavailable. You're absorbing everything. You're using everything as energy in the carnivore diet. So if your stool looks really small, totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you should never have issues where you have diarrhea or where you have like, you know, like a really loose stool or when like for after a few weeks and after adjusting to this, you will get those issues and a lot of those issues in a plant-based and vegetarian diet, um, Mm -hmm. which is what people just never seem to talk about. They never talk about their bathroom situation, but I know it's horrible because I've tried it. Um, So if you are dealing with bathroom issues, there you go. There is um, your quick fix with that. And when you tell people about this diet for the first time, you get a few questions, you get a few people that shake their heads, you get a few people that are like, you're crazy, you're ridiculous, what are you doing, this makes no sense, you're going to die, etc. Uh, biggest one I get for sure is, what about your cholesterol? What's going on with your cholesterol? Uh, don't you have to watch your cholesterol? You're going to have a heart attack from all that meat and eggs and saturated fat. Please go into this, let's say a random person approaches you and says, you, you're adding too much cholesterol to your diet." What are you doing? What are you saying to them? How do you counter that argument?
1: So if it's a random person, I think I probably, I approach it a little differently than if it's someone I know. Uh, If it's a random person, I would just say that's not accurate. It's been debunked.
0: All right. All right. All right. Someone you know, because I want to, I want a really specific answer of what you would do.
1: So, okay. Someone I know. Um, I would I would say that that's not accurate again. But it's been, been debunked. But then I would go into detail of if like if you are interested, like here's this book, this book, this book, this YouTube video, this YouTube video. Um, then talk about <laughs> how how basically Ansel Keys and the Seven country yep. Study that's is the reason. Point. Yeah, is the reason why. Um, that low fat diets are glorified and just kind of teach them a little more of the history of why, because people don't really know why they think that that cholesterol is bad. They just know cholesterol is bad because it's yeah. been like pounded into their head. But once you actually like ask them why you think that, who told you that it's usually just, well, it's cause it is. It's cause doctors say so it's cause what society it's just, it's just, there's no depth. It's just well, it's because it is. Um, you
0: a great video the other day, I saw it on your Instagram. It was like doctors. People shouldn't trust doctors all that much because didn't they promote smoking at one time too? And and there was a few other things elaborate yeah, on that. Yeah, it was
1: it was smoking, and then there was cocaine tooth tooth drops or something for toothaches, and then uh, heroin for if you have a cough, and then um, fin fin for weight loss. Um, So it was, it was just, it was a bunch of things that doctors were basically paid, I'm assuming paid to promote um, and told we're safe. And they just were were saying, hey, yeah, and people saw good results. And then the side effects started rolling in and they said, whoa, we can't do this anymore. Um, So it's usually the same story of um, doctors just (laughs) kind of being doing what they're told instead of being doctors, (laughs) which is unfortunate.
0: Uh, it, is, it is super unfortunate it's super unfortunate they don't learn much nutrition in medical school at all. I've heard that they have a three hour lecture, most doctors, mm-hmm. uh, and that is about all the nutrition they learn. Some learn more than others. Don't get me wrong. Some doctors I absolutely love, but a lot of them are just misled by big pharma and big government to be pill prescribers and yeah. uh, and to tell you things like cholesterol is so bad for you and saturated fat should only be 10% or less of your diet. The, the biggest the biggest way I tell someone that cholesterol is not bad for you, or you don't have to worry about cholesterol so much is number one, Ansel Keys. That's the number one way. If you, if you don't know Ansel Keys, please research him, A-N-S-E-L-K-Y-E-S and the seven countries study. It is basically mm-hmm. a study where he cherry picked a lot of data and a lot of countries that showed that cholesterol caused heart attacks. And he only picked seven out of the, I believe there were 22.
1: Yeah, something
0: like that. Yeah. And uh, he only picked seven of them. He presented them to the FDA, the board, and they said, oh, okay, let's agree with this because he was a very high spoken man. People listened to what he had to say. And that became the standard. And since then, heart attacks have only gone up. And another stat that I like to mention to people is 75% of people that have high cholesterol don't have a heart attack. Yeah. They Most don't... people
1: who have heart attacks have low cholesterol. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's true. So doctors are prescribing statins to literally push you in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um as statin's and People
1: people don't know that cholesterol is essential too. They don't know that your your yeah. brain yeah. That's it's that's brain the last statins. thing
0: I was going to say is yeah. every cell in your body requires cholesterol. It's so it's the, the building block of a cell. It's so important for each and every cell in your body to have. So if you don't get any of it, you won't function as properly and, you know, therefore can cause big issues. So, yeah. you know,
1: low cholesterol. I've seen things that say low cholesterol is linked to um, out, out uh, like aggressive behavior and stuff, which because your brain is just depleted of the fat that it needs. And um, I saw something else that said, A lot of like inmates um have like low low cholesterol and and have issues with that and it just makes sense kind of just with like how aggressive some um people who eat uh, primarily plants are um and it just kind of makes it seem like well you just you need some fat in your diet like your brain is screaming for fat literally and it's manifesting externally manifesting an aggression
0: (laughs) oh true so true and the same The same is said with the saturated fat issue is, you know, a lot of my nutrition course that I took was against saturated fat. I don't believe in it at all. I did it for the certification to have something to show people. I totally don't believe in what they pushed at all. They pushed a whole plant-based agenda. They limited saturated fat to 10%. And, you know, if I, if I really didn't know any better and I never tried it for myself, I would have pushed the same thing to people. But the issue is you can't blame the meat. You can't blame the meat for what the burger, the fries, the milkshake, um, and the soda did, because when you sit down and you, ha- and you have people that eat meat, um, they classify that as the, yeah, that tiny little patty in there that they were eating. And those studies are just as cherry picked as the Ansel Keys theory. And that's something that people don't talk about is all the studies saying meat causes colon cancer and meat causes gout. They didn't look at how insulin resistant these people actually were number one. And all they looked at was, okay, well. These other people are plant-based and they're living really, really long and they're doing really well. So that's got to be the way to go. And they eat a lot of fiber. Um, What they also don't realize is these people also eat a lot less processed sugar and seed oils. They also exercise. They also sauna. They also have just really healthy habits and a really stress-free life, but they eat plants. So they're doing that wrong. But, but, you know, that's what they say. They they group two people. They say the plant-based people with the fiber they just live longer lives and they'll mention the blue zone to me. And I'm like, this is all such, such BS. If our ancestors saw this, they would, they would literally have a heart attack just from yeah. stress, not from meat. Um, yeah. There's but, this one
1: I heard. I heard this, this one story. I forget where I read it or heard it, but um, there's this one tribe or people. I don't know what you would call it in Australia, I believe where they were so good at hunting and, and their goals were always to find like fat, like they wanted fat. They knew to seek out fat, and they could just they could tell how like fatty something was by like their breath or something. It was like crazy insane right. how like like good these people were at hunting and and finding fatty animals. And they would wait until the animals were fat in enough to kill. They wouldn't just go kill every single animal they saw and people don't know that. And for where the Ansel Key stuff, if you, if anyone's listening, The Big Fat Surprise is an amazing book oh, to learn about that, that topic. Yeah. Nina, so definitely. read. Holds. Yeah. The, read the that. Big
0: Fat Surprise by Nina Techholds. And also a really good one too, is The Cholesterol Myth by Dr. Johnny Bowden. If you've ever read that, that is an also an amazing book. So those two definitely check out if you have to convince someone that cholesterol yeah. is not bad for you.
1: And people don't realize the what like correlation versus causation. And even I'm struggling with that in school too. I just did a class, and we were learning about uh, correlation and causation. And in college, like the 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 standards are just so low now that we the assignment was. Read this scenario and tell me if it's correlation or causation. And it was a hundred percent correlation. And even if you just read the textbook, the yeah. textbook example was was basically the same thing. And then they said, This is correlation because blah blah blah. And then the this most of the students put, Well, it's causation because blah blah blah. And the teacher said, which was just saying good job, thanks for your participation. Um, and she she said like the same thing on every post, and I was like, you need to teach these people. You're the teacher. You need yeah. to teach people yeah. the difference between correlation and causation. This is not causation.
0: <laughs> totally agreed. Yeah, it can totally be so skewed. Um, by everyone today, it's totally backwards. Um, okay, I wanted to get into this now, and I wanted to really hear your your complete thoughts on this everything you have to say about this my question for you the next topic here is do calories matter with this way of eating with carnivore and with animal-based low-carb whatever you want to call it meat-based diets why should you not count calories or why should you count calories or track macros
1: so i want to say that calories don't matter because i I personally hate counting calories and I was obsessed with counting calories before so when I came to carnivore and they told me or I saw that you didn't have to count calories I said don't say no more <laughs> I am I like sign me up I am down for this um and it's just and then I read uh Dr. Barry's lies my doctor told me and he kind yep, of goes love
0: that, book. Love that yeah
1: book. he he describes the why uh or how the calories came to be and it's just so it's just one of those things again where you realize you learn the history of it and then you realize that it makes no sense and it's just something that we've all been told and that calories are extremely inaccurate um the packaging calories on packages are extremely inaccurate i think they're off by like 20 or 30 percent right
0: um, that doesn't even matter to me. Yeah. Uh, there's so many <laughs> other ways that you you just can't figure out your metabolic rate if you try.
1: Yeah, and so, you're you're constantly doing different things every day, so it's that's, like
0: that's that's my whole thing. Is is number one there's the thermic effect of food. If you wanted to get into that too, um, when you're only eating fat and protein, pr- protein burns a lot of calories to digest. So then you'd have to calculate those calories, which you would never know. Like if you're really gonna spend a whole day calculating all of your calories and trying to accurately get the best, best number that you possibly can. How do you know the next day, you, you spend the whole day doing it, the next day already happened. You'd have to probably spend like a few weeks literally analyzing the entire day, literally analyzing each particular part of the day. It's it's such nonsense. And The, the issue is even if you like track your calories to a dime, foods will make you have a different body composition which might be the reason why you're tracking calories in the first place because you wanted to lose weight, but really want to lose fat. So if you really think that eating Twinkies will lose the fat in your body, you know, it's not really true what's going to happen. You're just going to be a smaller, fatter version of yourself. Um,
1: yeah. Instead like of, you can, you yeah. will like, lose weight if you eat, if you starve yourself and oh, just like twinkies and starve yourself it's like the starvation part so there is like if you restrict like you are going to lose but you're not going to be nourished and that's like that's the difference and calorie isn't like i from what i remember from dr barry's book is like a calorie too is just they put whatever in like a petri dish or something and like burned it measure
0: right and 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 and
1: then they so it's like it has nothing to do with like the human body and how the no. human body does it it was like no correlation between <laughs> it was just like or it was just like in a petri dish and they were burning it and they were like oh it took this long to burn it so it's this many calories and it's like that makes no sense and we're basing our entire nutritional system off of this like this weird thing that this experiment they did and they just said here you guys go um so it just it calories to me are i think are just pointless it the the struggle is though that like people will count calories and see results and and then they think it's because they're counting the calories and it they they don't really like think about the other things that are involved of like they're like restricting and they're undernourished so they are just like you said they're just becoming a smaller version of themselves and you
0: you tell me what happens when you know you think they're really going to count calories their entire life what happens when you stop (laughs)
1: Yeah. You're going to, you're going to gain that weight back because you're not restricting yourself
0: and more and more. We went into this a little earlier before, but when you are in a period of caloric restriction and you deprive yourself of energy, because calories are also a form of energy. If you want to call it heat energy. Um, I prefer of course, fat, you prefer fat using uh, that as energy as well. Um, but when you restrict yourself and you have that little amount of calories, your muscle goes with it you don't lose just fat and a lot of people don't understand this and common nutrition advice we went over plant-based diet we went over low saturated fat low cholesterol and high fiber and the one thing that we didn't go over is low calorie high protein uh not high protein more like eat less move more that's the that's the biggest one that's what you hear as soon as i started my weight loss journey when I lost hundred pounds, I did it the completely wrong way. I'm like a, such a prime example of this. You might be too, is when you, when you starve yourself, you become smaller and you don't gain any muscle. So there's a term called skinny fat. And that's what happens. You have a lot of body fat and you're just very skinny. You have no muscle on you and you're just all body fat. You're just, you know, you just aren't as, you know, big, mm-hmm. uh, not as, not as fat. You're still, you're still fat. You're just skinny. Eat less, move more creates a huge amount of muscle loss, and therefore, it impacts your metabolic rate, which means you will burn less over time if you starve yourself. So for those listening who are in a caloric restriction, don't starve yourself. Eat the right foods because you and I know what matters most is quality of food, and the type of food is by far what matters the most. You can portion out 3,000 calories of eggs and meat and fish and butter see if you can eat it in a day, I guarantee you, you can. I, some people can, it's really, it'll be really, really full throughout the day. Or you can portion out 3000 calories of two pints of Ben and Jerry's and a bag of chips, and you can knock it in one sitting. Um, it doesn't tell the tr- full story. I said this example to you on our, on our live, I said 100 calories of salmon and 100 calories of Oreos are not the same thing. They do two completely different things in the body. One will have you expend more energy, one will make you feel sluggish and tired and weaker. And the other thing is going on that that topic too is the quality of the calories that you put in your body also will boost your metabolism. If you're eating whole foods and you're eating real food that your body can use as energy, you're going to be more active naturally. My hands will start moving more. I'll start walking more. Um, I will. My workouts will go a little harder. Um, if I eat crappy food, processed food, in particular with processed sugars, seed oils, grains, etc. I'm going to feel sluggish. I'm going to not want to work out not want to get up not want to move and kind of just lay there. So this kind of goes into my next question is being overweight or obese somebody's fault. I want to hear your thoughts on this because there's a lot out there, a lot of misinformation out there. And I don't know if it really is.
1: I have a pretty harsh opinion on um, like what you do with your body is a hundred percent your responsibility. I think there's a lot of information there that is available to people that they can they hear someone say low fat and they try low fat, or if they hear someone say go vegan and they try vegan, I feel like that is a hundred percent your responsibility to look into and make sure it's something you want to do and make sure it's something you want to try. Um, so Yes, I feel like if people are obese, um, that there is a huge portion of that, that is their responsibility. Um, I think that it is unfortunate that we've been told the wrong thing for so long, but I also think that the information is out there. So it's your responsibility to, to fix it. And, and so oh, so I
0: I don't know I have a pretty harsh opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, I listen, I agree with what you're saying. I get it. I'm going to counter you a little bit. I see this I see both sides of this no doubt. I see the side that is someone that is really really trying to lose weight and the first thing they look up all 50 pages is about caloric restriction, eat less, move more, eat high fiber. And they start doing it, they start feeling like garbage and because they're in caloric restriction, they gain the weight right back and it's an endless cycle like you did. And at that time, it's not technically your fault, you're trying, but modern nutrition has skewed them in such a wrong direction that they can't do anything about it. If you walk into a supermarket, you are are screwed. You're screwed. What are you gonna pick up? 90 plus percent of what's in the supermarket, AKA most of the middle aisles, is processed sugar, seed oils, grains. So if you go in and you pick it up, and you go in the supermarket, and you don't learn about carnivore, keto, animal based, any really whole food based diet, you're not it's your weight loss is not sustainable, your weight loss will not be, you know, something you'll achieve long term, and there's a good chance you'll gain the weight back. So technically, it's not your fault. But I do believe someone should learn and research themselves about nutrition, even though we're not taught the right things. Somebody should if they really want to make a change, do a lot of research on the topic. And eventually, this is why you and I are pretty on Instagram so often, is to spread this message that yeah. it's it's possible, you can lose weight, it can be done. It is, you don't have to starve yourself, um, we don't recommend starving yourself or restricting your calories or whatever you want to call it. So technically, there's a yes and a no to this question. Um, so
1: I would say, yeah, I would say, I would agree with that, that it's, it's probably not your, your fault just because that's what you're taught. So you're basically indoctrinated to believe that. So I can yeah. see that, but it's a hundred percent your responsibility to fix it because no and, one, no one's going to fix it for you.
0: And, and the same thing goes with genetics. Uh, a lot of people straight up blame genetics. Here's where I think genetics plays a role in this. And it's different than what most people think is if you're growing up and you have parents that eat garbage and that feed you garbage, you will be accustomed to this you your whole childhood like mine was spent eating crap it was spent eating processed sugar and seed oils or both and that's all you know this is what your parents taught you so if you don't have a career or interest in nutrition what are you supposed to do like genetically you were put in the wrong house if you were genetically put you know if you're my future kid you're going to be in unbelievable shape you're going to be taught all the right things so that's where genetics comes into play. If your parents taught you the wrong things, you grew up at the dinner table with garbage on the table, or your parents would have unhealthy habits and it spread to you. That's where genetics actually comes in. Genetically, someone's not meant to be overweight or obese. If exactly. they have an consistent, ancestrally consistent whole foods diet, you will not get overweight or obese. There are certain foods that you just can't eat because your brain, your mind will actually tell you to stop for once. And I used to be a major binge eater. And I say this now is, is the only way you can really get that overweight or obese is if you have a sugar addiction. If you are addicted to sugar, there's no other way. You can't get that fat eating meat and eggs. You can try it all you want. You're going to put in a lot of lean muscle, uh, but you're not going to get fat. You might put on a slightly more amount of body fat if you load yourself up, but you're not going to get morbidly obese. You can't, you cannot.
1: I love the, have you heard the analogy that uh, genetics is the gun? and what you put in your mouth like pulls the trigger it's like genetics yeah. is just a gun and if you yeah. it, but it, what you do with that gun is what matters
0: oh 100 percent. but i i honestly i'm telling you i think the more genetics goes into your parents and their habits and what actually you know gets passed on to you mm-hmm. in that regard not like you're genetically predisposed to be really yeah. really obese because there's no just nobody is nobody is and you know <laughs> if if you ate eggs and beef and and butter you would, you just wouldn't be morbidly obese. And I say this, I saw this, said this to you last time is take a look in nature. I use this example all the time. I think people now start texting me about it. They love the example is, have you ever seen a fat deer or have you ever seen a fat outdoor cat? What happens when you take that cat or you take a dog or a wolf and you take them from the wild and you domesticate them and you put them in your house and then you feed them processed sugar and seed oil. What happens? They get fat. What happens when they're in nature? and they eat until they're full, and they eat a carnivore diet, which is what dogs naturally should be eating. Uh, they don't get fat, they stay lean, they stay healthy, they live a very long and vital life. And yeah. it's just a prime example, go look in nature, you won't see animals that are morbidly obese, the only yeah. ones that are are human beings. And that's it.
1: Yeah, and and I just I it bugs me too that. Because uh, I had someone recently tell me, well starvation is the only way i can lose weight and i and i was trying to explain like there there's something wrong there that's not a natural thing that's not your genetics doing that like you're no human is supposed to be overweight and if you eat a species specific uh, proper diet right. um you are not going to be overweight and the person just was just like well nothing works for me just so this is the only thing that works and so it's like that 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 attitude too of like well this is just because and I had that too of like this is just how it's supposed to be I'm just supposed yeah. to be overweight um, yeah. and it's not true like you have to find like because carnivore it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all for it for everyone like like you eat some fruit I don't um everyone's going to be different so you have to like figure out what is wrong and get to that root issue because no starvation is not the answer it's never the answer and if you are feel like that is your only option. There is something else going on there that it is, you are not the only human on the planet. All of a sudden that needs to starve themselves. Um, right. when and it's, that's not like have like something is wrong, you know,
0: definitely, definitely. And by the way, I do eat fruit. I have a very small amount of fruit, but I don't promote fruit and a lot of fruit for anyone who's looking to lose weight. Now I am a personal trainer. I should share this. I am active probably an hour and a half, two hours a day, really, really intense workouts. So that small backloading and having some carbohydrates after my meal, very small amount. Again, I probably have 20 to 75 grams, uh, 75, my hardest day. That is what that's, that makes me feel the best. That makes me sleep the best. My workouts improve with that small amount of fruit and honey. I don't recommend fruit and honey to people who have a lot of weight to lose. I recommend keto or carnivore. Even something like animal-based keto is really great where you only have 20 grams or less of fruit from carbohydrates, or if you want to go full carnivore, I'm all for it. I coach all three methods. Um, and I support all three methods. It just totally depends on the person um, and their goals. If somebody's looking to gain weight and they can't gain it on carnivore, I do suggest small amounts of fruit for them, as ancestrally, it will make you gain some weight. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really the biggest reason, uh, the biggest way Paul Saldino and I differ is I love Paul Saldino, but I'm not eating five to six bananas a day. I'm not eating 250 to 300 grams of carbohydrates every single day. Uh, that's a ridiculous activity level and it's a ridiculous amount of carbohydrates. And also what a pe- people don't understand about my page is, I still preach that sugar is inflammatory, natural or not. I still think that too much sugar can cause issues, whether that comes from fruit and honey or whether that comes from a cookie, all sugar, all carbs turn to sugar and eventually too many carbohydrates become inflammatory and can be inflammatory. So I have very small amounts and that was that is what makes me feel my best. I've done pure carnivore. I feel slightly better. Animal-based, I have, if I want to lose fat, if I want to get really, really shredded, I'll go pure carnivore again. So I have no complaints with the carnivore community. Um, another question for you, um, I kind of talk about what I eat on a little bit of my diet, which is animal-based, but what do you eat in a day? And has it changed much since you started carnivore?
1: Yeah, it's changed. it's changed a lot. Just my taste buds, my taste for food has changed. So in the beginning- I couldn't eat. I didn't grow up eating fatty meat uh, because my dad had gout and was told not to eat red meat and Then we, he he got diabetes and his doctor told him to go keto. And he said, Hey, I can't eat red meat. And the doctor literally told him, um, well, we just tell people to cut out meat because it's easier for people to cut out meat than it is for sugar. So, so they, that's literally, they, they just tell people because someone will give up red meat quicker than they give up sugar because they don't have that, that addiction. Oh
0: yeah. Oh
1: my God. So we didn't, we didn't grow up eating. Red meat. So when I started carnivore, it was really hard for me to look at the fat on steak, and I would lose my appetite if I just saw a piece of fat. So I ate mostly like pork rinds and chicken and fish and things like that. I ate leaner cuts, and then I was eating bacon to and and butter and things like that to get some fats. Um, and then slowly I started craving more and more fat to where now the fat on the steak is my favorite part. I love fatty steak, and then I started eating a lot like heavy beef and just really really craving beef and fatty beef and just I I hated chicken um towards the middle. I never ate chicken. I didn't I didn't even want to see it. And then now I'm starting to like crave chicken more. So it's like it's this whole like flux of of what meat I'm craving. So it does, it does change. And then at one point I was eating a lot of eggs and then I just stopped eating eggs. And then I was eating a lot of bacon and then stopped eating bacon. So it's like my, my, what my body's craving for changes. And I, I, my, my strategy and my, the way I do it is I always just listen to what my body's craving and eat that. So, so it's, it's constantly changing.
0: (laughs) Are you one of those people um, that Melt when they have to add fat and they want added fat. Do you melt the butter in a pan and cook your food or do you top it with chunks of butter.
1: I will, yeah, I'll cook it in an animal fat and then I would top it with more slices of butter.
0: Yeah. So so you're almost, have you ever thought about your ratio and do you believe that's important? So would you say you lean more like 80 20.
1: I tried that and it did not go well for me. So I, so that's when I was cooking everything in butter or some sort of fat and then adding more fat. And yeah. then I was drinking fatty lattes. Um, So I, I I, would say I was 80, 20 for maybe two months and I just gained weight. Um, I, And I was trying to put on muscle um, and I just I wasn't happy. I felt, I did not feel like I was putting on muscle. I felt like I was just gaining weight. Um, so I just went back to just like prioritizing protein. I was, I'm not low fat by any means, but I would say right now, like Mm -hmm. I just will cook my food in animal fat, but I don't add any extra butter to it. Now I don't drink the fatty lattes. I'll have, I do drink coffee. So I'll have a decaf coffee with some heavy cream. Um, so I would say I'm around 60, 40 right now, if I had to guess, but since I don't really track anything, I, I don't know yeah. for sure. But, um, but yeah, the high fat did not work for me. And well, I don't know.
0: The good, the good news is you started gaining weight. Your body eventually figured it out naturally just to add more protein and take a little less fat, even though you're not low fat, I'm not low fat either, but I actually prioritize a lot of protein more on my meals too. I don't top my food off with butter anymore. I just feel at some point it's just unnecessary. And to be honest with you, it sends me right to the bathroom. So that's another way it it you're e- easily able to tell um, how much fat you're consuming in a given day. So you can play around with the fat ratios all you want on your carnivore or animal-based diet or your meat-based diet, whatever you want to call it. But ultimately, your body will tell you, your body will know. And I don't like to use the scale. I really like to use the mirror because that really tells this the true story especially if you strength train as well so that's definitely yeah. a big one um and
1: that's like you mentioned before too like that's really like messed me up of my my history of like yo-yoing um has really made it hard for me now to build muscle um and and i think just being a woman too is not making it easy um so yeah, yeah that that that's made it a little more hard for me to to my body's not wanting to bounce back as quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my next and my final question for you here is when you're eating is the quality. I know you eat a lot of meat, obviously. I know you eat a lot of chicken, pork, eggs. Is the quality necessarily the most important thing or is it just the getting the food in your diet? Like, do you do grass fed, finished everything? Do you do pasture raised chicken, pork? What's your opinion on that? Um, I have a lot of people that succeed the difference significantly. When they have pasture raised or grass fed meat, and when they have a lot of grain fed all day, what is your opinion? What do you do personally?
1: So I just buy whatever's in the grocery store, and I've always done that. So um, mine's primarily going to be grain fed. Uh, I think that my my opinion is buy what you can afford and buy what's available to you. Um, So right now, like in the I'm in Okinawa, Japan, so I don't have it's very different than the United States. I I can't just order a subscription service to a to a regenerative farm box. Yeah. Um, I so I have to eat what is available here on the island, and um, that's going to be more grain fed. Uh, but I did when I saw that the commissary started offering grass fed steaks and grass fed ground beef. I did get that to try it because I I had never seen that before. So I I a hundred percent. Think that if you can buy high quality and you have access to high quality, buy that and yeah. eat that, um, especially just from an environmental aspect, too. Like, not necessarily the science of what has more protein or omega-6 to ra- omega-3 to omega-6 ratio and that kind of thing, but just environmentally, there's no, there cows and livestock they don't need to be in feedlots so feedlots aren't a necessary thing the feedlots came
0: around they can be harmful
1: yeah the feedlots there's enough so i just learned this too recently that there is enough land that is like there's too hilly and too rocky that we can't um farm on, but you can go grow grass and cows can go and eat the grass and and stuff like that. And there's enough of that land in the United States to where no animals need to be in a feedlot. So I 100% support the idea of regenerative agriculture and grass-fed beef. And it doesn't have to be grass-fed, grass-finished. Like It could just be grass-fed, grain-finished um, and and still be way more beneficial. So just from an environmental standpoint, I 100% support grass-fed um, beef. And and I, I, I do not think that feedlots are something that we need or something that is sustainable. So I I think that we can go towards more of a regenerative agriculture future and it would be beneficial to everyone and create more nutrient dense meat too.
0: So uh, my question here is where you you live, are you available to, is grass-fed butter available? Can you find grass-fed and finished butter at tallow?
1: No. uh... So in a Japanese store, as far as I know, I've never, I don't even, it's hard to find butter. Their their foods are a lot different here. And then, of course, the packaging is going to be all in Japanese. Um, And, but in the U.S. commissary, it's just the best quality that we have access to is Kerrygold. That is the, Uh, other than that, yeah, other than that, it's butters with all the extra weird things in it. Kerrygold, the only one that we have here
0: so that's what i recommend for people um if you can't afford grass-fed grass-finished amazing quality meat yes do grain finish because it is still better than 99 percent of the stuff in the grocery store yeah. if for some reason uh if you're not in a japanese supermarket and you have availability to uh, grass-fed grass-finished butter or beef tallow pick it up because especially the grass-fed butter it's fairly cheap remember that what the cow eats in its feedlot is mostly corn, soy, seed oils. Remember that accumulates in their fat. So that fat is not necessarily the best for you compared to the fat from grass-fed and finished animals, which is where adding the fat from grass-fed butter would come in. So worst case scenario, buy grain-fed, buy grass-fed butter because the fats matter there and there's loads of omega-3s there.
1: And uh, grass-fed cows are, they live much longer so it they they don't harvest them for for three years or something like that versus green but i think they're like 18 months before they're harvested because they just blow up and then they go harvest them so so just that process just naturally makes sense too that it's a slower more natural process of getting these cows um developed and fat fattened up with um grasses
0: they're not going to get get, there it's very hard very similar to a, a consistent diet with humans
1: yeah. Well, there, there um, I know, I talked to a, a regenerative agriculture farmer about, and I was like, how do you fatten up your cows? Cause people always say that you can't, and I, there's like different types of grass you can feed them. And then of the process of it taking a really long time, it's okay. not going to be grain fed fat. Like it's not going to be that fat, but it's going to be, um, I think it's better quality. Like ultimately I think it's going to be better quality of just like more marbling and more just like, it, it just, it's more natural. It just, when you think more about new,
0: it, more nutrient density.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's more natural than just like blowing up a cow and feeding on grain and soy and things like that. And then killing it uh, in 18 months.
0: <laughs> yeah, to- totally. Totally. All right, Jess, it was awesome to have you on my podcast. Um, I'm sure we will do so many more collabs in the future. Um, I just wanted to have you say where, where can people contact you? How can they find you? What are your links? What are your socials?
1: so jessalyn.randall is my instagram i have a youtube channel where i interview um, regenerative agriculture and environmental things um and that's just jess randall and then my other youtube with serena is carnivore revolution and those are the three main platforms that i have
0: great okay and then also you have a clothing company too
1: oh yeah yeah i have an uh oh. Uh, thank you. I have um, nutrient dense teas, and I call it Nudies for short. Um, and I make merch for meat eaters, and I love it. And I, because I just love creating things, so I just it's a little pet project. And if other people love it, that would be that's amazing. <laughs>
0: awesome! Awesome. I will link everything in the description below. Go ahead and check those out. Also, if you're listening to the podcast version, but it was awesome having you, Jess. And uh, yeah, I hope look forward to more collabs in the future.